Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Heartstopper Season 2. Heartstopper, Volume 3, was written and illustrated by Alice Oseman, and Volume 3 was published in 2020. And uh, Netflix series Heartstopper Season 2 came out uh, this year, 2023. Yeah, and so Season 2 of Heartstopper encompasses mostly Volume 3 of the comic and a tiny snippet of Volume 4. Yes. So we didn't give the Volume 4 information up top, but because it's, it's not really relevant to the It's season. also like... Near the end of volume four, too. It's not like, oh, volume three going into volume four a little bit. It's like one scene later in volume four. Yeah, we'll we'll discuss it when we get to it. But yeah, since this season is mostly volume three, for anyone who wants to read along uh, with season two, you're going to want to stick mostly to volume three. It's also worth mentioning that the comic is so similar to the show I should say the show is so similar to the comic. Yes. But then the show adds like extra storylines and like some extra character development and things like that. Uh, so I feel like we're not going to be talking as much. We're probably going to be sticking more to like talking about the show. Yeah. Um, and we'll be clarifying if there are differences to the comics and like some things like that. But uh, if we're not mentioning it as much as like we usually do, it's because they're both radically similar. Yeah. And Alice Oseman, I think, was writing the screenplays for um, a lot of these episodes. She's heavily involved in the Netflix production. So, I mean, I think that's one explanation for them being so similar. I mean, the comic almost feels like a storyboard at points. It does. For the show, it's like, oh, then they get ice cream. Then Charlie gets some ice cream on his nose. Then Nick is like trying to get it. You know what I mean? Like beats play off like exactly the same. Yeah. And the comic, we talked about this in the last episode. The comic is very large yeah and i know that's not the best way to describe it but it's like the panels take up a lot of space yes right it's not your traditional smaller comic book format and i think a lot of this was because it was originally published on tumblr tumblr and like webtoon and things like that where it has this online phone or tablet format right when you're reading it and so you want it to be kind of big but then when you publish it it takes up like a lot of space like these volumes of comics are hefty but they really don't take much time to get oh my through. god you can fly through them especially when like two pages will be taken up with just like nick and charlie like making out yeah and i don't want to say like there's not a lot of detail in the illustrations but i do feel like they're more kind of like like you said almost storyboard so almost like close-ups of the characters and like a wide shot it does feel kind of cinematic and um yeah, it's just hard to explain. I just feel like they they really flow well into each other. Yeah, they do. They really do. And maybe also the fact that uh, Heartstopper is also like monochromatic too in its like coloring. Like it's only shaded in, I mean, it's like it's tones of green. Yeah. Uh, but still, you know, just like light and dark values, which also makes it feel a little bit like a storyboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. Uh, but should we get into it? Yeah. So... We are, let, let's start off with uh, Nick and Charlie. We're dividing this episode into pre-Paris, 
Paris and post Paris. <laughs> so we're in the pre Paris phase. And Nick and Charlie are boyfriends. They are just uh, spending as much time together as they can. Nick isn't out yet to anyone. He came out to his mom at the end of last season, which he just tells Charlie about. Or no, I'm sorry. That's in the comic. Is it in both versions? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see. I get them confused because I'm like, they're so similar. Because but... there's that great scene with Olivia Coleman. No, I remember he came out to her. I just remember him telling Charlie about it. Oh, yeah. At in the both be- versions. Okay, at yeah. the beginning of volume three, I remembered. Mm-hmm. And But he's still not, not out to everyone yet or anyone else, honestly. And so they're still kind of keeping their relationship low-key. Yeah. Generally. But here's the thing is that they're so obvious. Yeah, they're super obvious in both versions. Yes. And they're kissing everywhere in the school. Yeah, at, around <laughs> every corner. Yeah. They are constantly, maybe they're like into it, like, oh, I hope no one <laughs> walks into this janitor's closet right now. I mean, it's very teenager, right? Like, oh, we can't possibly wait to kiss until after school when we're alone together. Like, I just need to kiss you right now. And it's like, God, do you remember those couples that would just be making out in the hallway constantly between classes and like... Or just constantly holding each other. Yeah, at lunch, like sitting in each other's laps. And I'm like, come on. It's like they would be that couple, but they can't be. So they have to be extra that when they have a moment alone. Exactly. I think it's kind of... I think the show and comic do it well enough. uh, Because I think ultimately the conundrum is... They do want to tell an honest story about coming out, right? About Nick's journey of coming out. But they also don't want it to be like a toxic story where like Nick publicly shuns Charlie or it's like awkward where he's like keeping his distance and being (laughs) aloof and it's like a whole thing, right? Like they still want it to be like a very touching and sweet and genuine relationship too. So that's like a tough thing to balance. Yeah. Not wanting it to be like tension between them in that way but also they're not out yet and i kind of think that's where like almost the issue is for sure and nick kind of says like i want to come out i want to be out and this is in the show mostly where nick is kind of saying well if we were out for the paris trip then we wouldn't have to hide when we're on vacation together so that seems to be kind of the goal in the show in these fir- like early episodes where Nick's like, I have to come out to everyone before the Paris trip so that we can be out during the Paris trip. And on the flip side, Charlie is like really determined to be supportive to Nick in every way that he can, because Charlie had such a terrible experience when he was like outed and we knew he we know he was bullied and went through a lot of trauma. And so he's really trying to protect Nick from that. And I think that's like a combination of like supporting him and wanting to come out to people, but also being like, hey, there's no rush. You don't owe it to anybody. It's on your terms, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And Charlie has kind of a line at the end of the first episode to his sister about like, I can protect him. Mm. So we see Charlie putting a lot of responsibility on himself in this uh, situation as well. Yeah. And it's a it's a tricky dynamic. And we talked about it a lot. In the last episode for the first season, you know, wanting to support Nick and be there for him, wanting them to to be able to be out and have that freedom, but, you know, also acknowledging that people come out in their own way and in their own time. And we see, like, Nick trying to come out to, like, three of his guy friends 
who we've seen kind of off and on. They're very, like, very, very secondary characters. And they end up kind of apologizing to Nick in both the comic and the show about Harry's behavior from last season and saying we should have stood up for you against Harry. Um, And it's clear that they kind of know about Nick and Charlie. Yeah. But Nick just can't, like, bring it up. And one of the guys says, like, yeah, we know that you and Charlie are, like, best mates. And Nick is like, yeah. Yeah. And then the other two glare at this kid. They're like, come on, man. (laughs) Well, and this was funny, too, because this was hinted at in the first or second volume of Heartstopper, the comic, where you got the idea that they were aware of this already. I don't think they really implied that in season one of the show, but earlier in the the comic series, it's implied that his rugby friends are like, they have an idea that they're in a relationship to some extent. Yeah. And then Nick tries to come out to them again at this like end of year forest party. Is it the end of exams? Is that, is that what they're celebrating? I think so. Okay. Because yeah. we, there's a whole confusion between us about like where in the school timeline this all takes place. Yeah. But Nick is... They're at this bonfire in the middle of a forest and the kids are partying and drinking and stuff. And Nick tries to tell them, but Harry's around and it's awkward and it's just not a private like setting to tell someone of your deepest, darkest yeah, secret. Yeah, Nick's trying to like shout over the music to his friends, <laughs> like in a crowd of people. Yeah, but he gets really stressed and actually kind of physically ill. And this is where Charlie kind of steps in and is like, listen, let's just not worry about this we don't have to be out on the parish trip like we can just be low key low key like we've been because this is like this is hurting you like it's not worth it and this is exclusive to the show because they don't really have a goal for being out on the parish trip in the comic no no let's catch up with a couple of other characters uh tau and l yes Oh, Tao. Tao. How we hated you last season. (laughs) (laughs) He really was like kind of the glaring issue to us anyway of the first season. Like the one character who was kind of like more whiny than he was endearing and more frustrating than he was like rewarding as a character. Yeah, I would say that like the moments where he came through and was good were so outweighed by the moments when he was bad. Yeah. And so that was kind of a frustrating experience. But I do respect that they were kind of taking their time with him as a character because we do see a lot of growth in him this season. I I felt like, I mean, not that um, it was necessarily worth it in season one, but it does feel rewarding to watch how they transform him in this season. Yeah. And we begin uh, kind of with, Things being a little weird between him and Elle. Yeah. Where they kind of both like each other and everyone seems to know it, but like they don't know each other knows it and things are just a little tense. Yeah, they have a kind of odd dynamic right now. And then Elle is applying to an art school. So this kind of complicates things where right now, and we have to remember that originally, you know, Elle as a trans girl used to go to their boys school. And then she transferred to the girls' school, but the they're like right next to each other, so they yeah. get to hang out like before school, after school. Like it's very like Ella's still around, and now she's considering moving to a completely different school on like the other side of town. So for Tao, I think this is really stressful because first L left their school and he didn't see L in their classes anymore, and now she's considering moving away 
for school completely. So this kind of adds like a dimension of um, anxiety and stress to their dynamic. Um, But it's really great to see Elle pursuing her passion for art and also meeting other friends. Yeah, you know, she meets some other people who were applying to the school and like at an event and she's hanging out with them and like you can really see her maybe looking towards the future and being excited about like what lays ahead of her whether it's in this school or beyond it and Tao is just stalking her Instagram and jealously looking (laughs) at all of her photos and being upset but he reaches a point where he goes to Charlie and is like I like Elle help me (laughs) (laughs) So they kind of organize and, like, figure out a plan for Tao to, like, arrange a date with Elle. And he kind of goes the whole nine yards with, like, getting new clothing, like, planning this whole elaborate date. And even Adina getting a haircut. Yes. And I'm like, what? Why did they decide to do this in the show? Because we what, talked about the, the original hair or the cut? Both. Okay. Because we talked about how in last season... His hair is so crazy in the oh, show. yeah. And he looks like a cartoon character. So we're like, this must be what his hair is like in the comic. Only to read the comic and be like, his hair is not like that no, at all. No, nothing like that. So I'm like, okay, why did they decide on this hair originally? And did they get so much criticism for it that they have him in character Absol- cut his hair? Absolutely, Adina. <laughs> it has to be. Like, they had to have realized, like, people are not into the hair. Yeah. I refuse to believe any other. I mean, I think they work it into the storyline pretty well. So he cuts it and then surprises Elle with this date and they they go together to the movie theater and he kind of arranges like a private screening of Moonrise Kingdom for them, which he hates. Red flag. Red, huge red flag. <laughs> I don't know if this is like a pop, a more popular take than I realized, because we recently saw someone on TikTok say that was their least favorite Wes Anderson. Yeah. So maybe that's like a thing a lot of people think. I don't know. Or maybe people just think they're better than everyone else by not liking <laughs> something that's pure and sweet and beautiful. Maybe. Uh, that's very possible. I do like in this scene, uh, while the French song is playing that they dance to in Moonrise Kingdom, that song is overplaying as we're watching their date and them holding hands. I liked that integration of the music. Yeah, the date doesn't go well, though, mostly because Tao starts ranting about what's wrong with Moonrise Kingdom (laughs) after the date, even though it's one of... Elle's favorite films. I feel like this is so probably accurate, though, <laughs> to like a really kind of pretentious type of douche, yeah. you know, who's like, let me explain to you what everything that's wrong with the movie that you like. <laughs> and I'm just going to rant about it for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And so things are not going great. And Elle kind of tells Tao, like, you're acting totally different. Like, I didn't want you to take me to a movie that you don't like. You liked your long hair. Like, you shouldn't have cut it if you didn't want to. So kind of, like, asking the question, like, did he only do it for Elle? Even if it was for Elle, it was the right call. It was the right choice. It was the right choice. Because Tao looks so much better. Yes. But things are, like, very awkward between them now. Yeah. So, you know, all this Tao and Elle stuff is exclusive to the show. We don't really have any of their kind of early fumblings uh in this volume at all but we do have to give an update to um another character that's exclusive to the show imogen who is nick's friend and kind of like seemed into him last season but now they've just settled into being good friends and she knows about him and charlie 
Or he tells her about it in this yeah, season. Yeah. That's actually, she's kind of the first friend of theirs that doesn't know already that Nick, he, he kind of comes out to her. And I really loved the way the scene played out because she has to use the bathroom and he's like, let me show you. And then he kind of like stops her from using the bathroom and like (laughs) comes out to her. Yeah. But before he can even like put the words together, she can see him like fumbling to kind of put things like out there. And she's like, oh, is this about you and Charlie? (laughs) And I love that like, you know, this is like episode what want two? Yeah, one or two. One or two, and like it's Nick's first kind of big attempt with a friend to come out, and he doesn't even quite get to do it. I know. Like he was, I think, gonna do it, but like she even cuts him off before he can. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like it's a victory, but it still feels like a half victory yet. You know what I mean? He still doesn't feel like he's fully gotten to do it on his own terms. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but she's super supportive um and they seem like they're really good and she's hanging out with the gang a lot, which is awesome. Um and Nick's like, "Oh my god, tell me about like you. Do you, do you like anyone?" She's like, "Oh yeah, actually I do. Uh his name is Ben." <laughs> Oh no! No, (laughs) this poor girl keeps falling for the wrong wrong type of guy. Gay men. (laughs) I mean, or bi. Nick is bi. Yes. (laughs) Um, But of course, Ben is the guy that Nick or Charlie had a secret relationship with in the first season and in the first volume of the comics, who was very abusive and emotionally manipulative to Charlie. Very toxic situation, and Nick is like. How do I tell her that this guy is a piece of shit? But I I can't Without out him. Without outing him. Yeah. We had a whole discussion on this. And the thing was, he he kind of, like, assaulted Charlie. Yeah. Right? Like, forcing him into, like, kissing and, like, you know, just awful. Um, I think if you do that, your claim to your own, <laughs> yeah. like, sexual identity is kind of, like, a moot point. For sure. It's like, if you have to warn someone that this person is, like... Doesn't respect predator. consent and boundaries. Yes. Yeah. I, I, you could even just say that. Be like, I know a person that you know and, you know. Yeah. Like, if she puts it together, that's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, Ben, but like. <laughs> yeah, or, and we talked about this too, or he could have said something like, he was being really homophobic and awful to Charlie. That's which true. Which was true. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's internalized homophobia, <laughs> but he was still treating Charlie that way. Yeah. Right? Um, he, he was homophobic to multiple people. Yes. Charlie and himself. Yeah. <laughs> But Nick can't do much, and for better or worse, Imogen and Ben are kind of together uh, for the Paris trip. Yeah. Nick is also having other problems at home when his older brother David is back from uni. (laughs) (laughs) And he's a piece of shit. And he's he's just a trash man. Yeah. Just awful. Yeah. How could Olivia Coleman birth that? I know, right? (laughs) I'm convinced, like, the dad was way more involved in raising David. Yes. And, like, fucked that kid up from the beginning. (laughs) And then Olivia Coleman just couldn't correct the shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's, like... He has this weird dynamic with Nick where he's very kind of bullying towards him. And he quickly figures out that Nick and Charlie are dating and ends up confronting Nick about it in a really obnoxious way. When the two of them are hanging out, he kind of like comes up into the room and starts hanging out or talking to Charlie separately and then makes this comment as he's leaving like, oh, I just wanted to talk to the guy that turned my little brother gay. Yeah. And it's that like level of like, homophobic comments where like you're like not saying 
anything technically super homophobic, but ob- the subtext is obviously like homophobic, right? Yeah. Like, turned my brother gay. Uh huh. But it, he says it with like a smile, like it's like a joke that he's like in on, you know? Yeah, he's trying to rile Nick up yeah. and like make him feel bad. And, you know, when Nick says, I'm bi, actually. He's very much like, oh, just admit you're gay already. Like, yeah. being bi doesn't exist, which, you know, is something that, like, Nick runs into a lot in, I think, the the show and in the comics, too, where a lot of people just assume that he's gay. And he's like, well, actually, I'm bi, and it's important that you acknowledge to me my sexual identity, yeah. right? Because it took him a long time to figure out who he was and what fit for him in in describing how he felt and how he loves right and so for someone to just completely erase his identity and i know this happens a lot for men who are bi right i think just people who are bi in general i know i think it goes different ways in a stereotypical sense usually it's like for girls if she's bi it's a phase Yes. Right. Yeah. Or if a guy is bi, he's actually gay, but afraid to admit like that he's fully gay. Yeah. Which is not true. Right. Bi people exist. And it's so real, you know, to have that identity and to be able to express it. But, you know, I think it's interesting that the show explores this and also just like constantly gives Nick's constantly gives Nick an opportunity to like stand up for himself. Yeah. Around this time, too, Charlie has some confrontation with his parents. He he tells his parents that he and Nick are dating, which was kind of a weird vibe in the show. And in the comic, too. Yeah, I, I felt like the comic, I don't know, it, it felt a little more um, unhostile or something. Like, the parents make some remarks about, like, oh, Nick's gay? Like, he doesn't seem like the type. And Charlie's like, that's not what it's about. (laughs) And then the dad makes a joke about, like, well, he's not coming to sleepovers anymore. We're not going to have any hanky-panky. And then it seems like fun. Um, But there's definitely, like, a weird tension in the show, I feel like, where the parents are almost like, oh, like, Nick? (laughs) Like, almost like they're worried about it. Yeah. And And even the dad's comment about, like, well, he can't stay over feels like... Less joking and more hostile. Yeah. Yeah. And the mom is very much like maybe worried about Charlie and maybe also like anxious about um, her son's purity. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Right. It's probably a lot easier to accept that your child is gay when they're not actively dating someone. It's a really interesting point. Because it's not, I mean, it's real, but it's not like oh, I'm imagining them, like, actually doing it with someone, right? Yeah. Well, there's also a factor, too, of, and, like, maybe we'll get more of this next season or something, but, like, maybe the mom knows, even though Charlie maybe didn't talk about it, like, what he went through last year when he was outed, and maybe she's like, is this going to stir things up again? Like, is he putting a target on his back by, like, openly dating someone? Yeah. And that's kind of a theme through the season, too, right? Like, Eyes coming back onto Charlie over him dating Nick. Yeah, for sure. So he's having, you know, Charlie's kind of dealing with some pressure from his parents and they kind of want him to focus more on his schoolwork as the year is ending, finishing with his exams, like finishing his coursework, etc. And like kind of are like, don't hang out. Don't spend all your time with Nick. You have to focus on school. You know, what's really funny is there's a scene in this show where Charlie is like, They're outside, I think, and Charlie's cold and Nick gives him one of his sweatshirts. And it's an ongoing joke that, like, Charlie keeps keeping all of Nick's sweatshirts, (laughs) right? 
but he does this and then he goes home and he's still wearing the sweatshirt. And I was like, uh oh, he's going to get busted for hanging out with Nick because he's not supposed to be right now yeah. because of his grades and like exams and stuff. So I'm like, he's going to get caught. And then it's never nope. addressed. It doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't get caught. And I'm like, they had all the setup for him getting. Be like, whose sweatshirt is that? Yeah. Oh, I know you're, you're wearing his sweatshirt right now. <laughs> Maybe it was something that was like cut Maybe. from like the episode. It just felt like they had set it up so intentionally and then didn't follow through. Yeah. I do want to touch on the comic a little bit here because in the comic, the only people who know about Nick and Charlie dating are Tara and Darcy right now. And then Elle kind of just knows on her own. They didn't tell her. Um, And so Charlie actually tells his friend, Aled, who is not in the show. He's kind of like represented by Isaac in the show. And Aled, when, you know, Charlie tells him, is kind of like, I knew, you know, (laughs) but thank you for telling me. And then he's kind of like, don't tell Tao. And Charlie's like, why? And Aled tells him, well, I never told you this, but last year, Tao was kind of maybe the reason you got outed. That after you told us that you were gay, we were talking about it in the halls, and we think someone overheard us. And, like, Tao was being really loud or just kind of, like, saying stuff, not thinking. And, like, we did see kind of a flavor of this in the first season with Isaac being like, I don't know if you should tell Tao about you and Charlie yet, but that was more just because, like, Tao has been, like, stressed and anxious. He was stressed and anxious that whole season, (laughs) right? a ball of anxious energy. And so they kind of had this, a little bit of this arc last season, right? But to have it in the the comic, you know, here, I think is really interesting um, to have Charlie not tell Tao about this. Even into the Paris trip, Tao has no idea about Nick and Charlie dating. Which I, like, totally forgotten that Tao didn't know, or Aled, Because, like, there's Tara and Darcy know, and Elle know, and, like, there are other characters kind of in their friend group that do know. Yeah. So I'd forgotten that Tao didn't know at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk Paris. Let's talk Paris. Part two Paris after part one pre-Paris. Can you imagine getting to go to Paris Uh, in high school? Damn, I do think, like, the French four or five students got to go to Paris. Yeah, I think in our school too like if you were in the upper levels of a language you oftentimes took a trip yeah but it was a lot more expensive i'm sure to go to paris from america (laughs) versus going from england which i didn't even know there was like a way euro tunnel the euro tunnel i didn't know this existed (laughs) um so you know you, you learn something new every day yeah really cool that they can just drive uh so they get into paris and (laughs) we get this really funny Not even seen, but just this idea of, like, only boys can room together and only girls can room together. I wrote down in my notes, laughs in gay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is, like, a really funny thing, isn't it? Yeah, yes. To be, and, like, you think about this, like, with sleepovers and, like, who will, who would you let your kid have over for a sleepover, right? And it's, like, I mean, just because it's, like, Children of the same sex doesn't mean, or gender doesn't mean things aren't going to go on, right? Yeah, exactly. But does that mean, like, all rules are out the door? <laughs> I don't know. Like, how do you handle that, Yeah, you know? exactly. It is very funny, and there's a, quite a bit of chuckling about this in the show <laughs> as well, and in the, in the comic. But they go into their rooms, and we have this situation in the show 
where immediately Isaac and Tao are like, oh, we're taking these two beds so that Charlie and Nick can't share a bed. And I I was like, why would they do this? Okay, Adina. Because, yeah, because they just make it seem like, oh, I want to sleep by the window. And Tao's like, well, I don't want to sleep by the window. Yeah. And then Tao says later, like, oh, I thought I, I'm doing this for you because, like, I know I would be too, like, embarrassed to, like, sleep without. Like, it would make me anxious. And I'm like, that's really bold of you to assume that, like, how you feel about this girl that, like, you have a crush on but you're not together with is how Charlie would feel when they're dating. Yeah. But then you realize that they're basing this on the comic, and in the comic, Tao doesn't know that they're dating. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, oh my god. It makes so much sense. I think this is a case where they should have, maybe they did do the same thing by not letting them sleep in the same beds, but maybe there was a different reason, right? I think it would it would have been funny if Tao and Isaac were like, I don't know if I want them making out all in night. the same bed, <laughs> like over from us, like making out and like cuddling and or like maybe like one of their parents, like maybe Charlie's parents, like talk to Tao and are like, can you promise me that they won't sleep in the same bed or something? Maybe. Yeah. You, know? you could have come up with a better expert. I think it would have been funny if Isaac and Tao like kind of conspired to be like, let's not let them sleep in the same bed. Yeah. Or like maybe if Charlie or Nick had talked to them, right? But didn't feel comfortable talking to the other person because they do have conversations about intimacy and like how far they're comfortable with going yeah. here. So maybe if Charlie was like, I'm feeling anxious about being physical with Nick, can you like make sure we're not in the same bed, right? Maybe, yeah. They just could have done it a little bit differently. But I agree. It felt like, because I mean, there's scenes of imagery from the comic in the show of like them reaching between the beds and holding hands as they sleep. And like the next morning, Charlie's hand is pulled away. Like those images are in the comics, yeah. right? So yeah. like clearly... They were like, okay, let's set this up exactly the same. But it, it's so different when Tao knows or doesn't know. Yeah. Charlie and Nick. So they're trying to keep it low key, right? Low key in Paris, the city of love. Just chill. Like, we <laughs> won't be making out. We won't be running around the streets of Paris together hand in hand. <laughs> we won't be rolling down uh, the steps of the Louvre, like tickling each other in front of the security guard. <laughs> we won't be getting pics of us at the Eiffel Tower, like... <laughs> Licking ice or ice cream off your nose. This is one of those things where, like, I know that, like, okay, they're going off. They're not staying together as a class. They're going off. But, like, everyone's, like, th there's got to be people around, right? Yeah. So, like, even them, like, oh, you've got, like, ice cream on your nose and, like, that kind of thing. I'm, like... Don't you think someone would walk around at, like, any moment? I know. It's kind of like, I once again, I understand why they did it the way they did. But in my brain, I'm constantly like, you're going to get caught. <laughs> Maybe it's just your high school anxiety coming out, right? Probably. Probably. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's a lot going on with the two of them. Like, they're still keeping it kind of quiet. Um, and then it's starting to become apparent that Charlie is having some kind of issue around food. And Nick kind of notices that... At the various dinners they have, when they're grabbing breakfast or just getting ice cream, Charlie's not really eating anything. I think this is smart because I think the show clues you as the audience into this before it's even noticed by the characters. At least I did, where it was like, Charlie lies about having eaten breakfast one morning. He leaves the house saying, I'll eat at Nick's. And then at Nick's house, he's like, I ate at my parents. Right? And you're yeah. like, oh, you know, like you're kind of clued into it. And then you notice Nick noticing. Yeah. 
And, you know, this kind of culminates when they're at the Louvre and Charlie passes out. Mm -hmm. And when he comes to, you know, he kind of mentions like, oh, I didn't eat enough this morning. And Nick kind of mentions it. He's like, I noticed you haven't been eating a lot lately. Yeah, like, tell me what's wrong, what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, and Charlie kind of confesses that, like, sometimes I feel this need to control what I eat and that it gives him this sense of security and safety and that he started this um, when all the bullying was going on previously. And, I mean, this is classic. This is an eating disorder, right? This is how it's described and how what people go through that have an eating disorder is that they, they're looking for a sense of control in an out-of-control situation, yeah. right? And this is alarming for Nick, and he's kind of like, I need you to talk to me about it, like, you know, maybe sharing with me, and I, and, and I can support you, like, we can kind of work through this. I, one thing I love about this show, and I'll probably mention it at least two more times before the end of the episode, but, like, I really love how this is a show that revolves around very supportive friends and relationships, in difficult circumstances. Yeah. Because so many shows build up drama and tension around characters withholding things from each other, being mad at each other, like acting out in hostile ways to each other, like kind of being shitty. And I think that can quickly become frustrating. Yes. Where you're just mad at the characters for being like stupid and shitty <laughs> and that they're creating their own problems. And this so clearly demonstrates that, like, you can have characters be loving and supportive and caring, but there's still challenges. There's still Things aren't tension perfect. and drama. Yeah, nothing's going to be perfect. Uh, and it's, like, very rewarding and refreshing because it's almost like, hey, this is like a relationship dynamic to aspire to. Where people are like, I want to be as, like warm and kind and supportive as Nick and Charlie, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree with you. I think, like, it is sort of, like, what we want the world to be. Yeah. You know? Not that every problem is gone, but that you have, like, the friends and the support systems to get you through the tough times, you know? And that people can be honest with each other and open and lean more into kindness, you know? And I think especially in a high school scenario, because I think a lot of high school television and and movies have characters acting more on their, like, impulses and more... Being shitty. Being shitty and selfish. Because, like, well, they're teenagers. And, like, you can kind of more get away with those, like, people, the characters acting on those feelings when they are teenagers. Because there's kind of more of an excuse for it in a way. But, like, it, the inverse feels so rewarding in this show where, like, despite them being teenagers, they are so much more mature than, like, many of their parents are or the people around them, right? Absolutely. So they talk about this, and this is kind of going on in the background. And then um, they also meet Nick's dad. And Nick's dad actually lives in France and is French. And... We just get a brief scene with him where Nick and Charlie go to see him at a cafe. And then he's immediately like, oh, sorry, I have to go. Something for work came up. So we kind of like we get the picture that he's not really in Nick's life and is really like not caring about what's going on with him. I think they did a good amount of it, though, where like he is like semi present, like he doesn't totally blow Nick off like he does show up, but then quickly leaves. Right. Yeah. Like I think. Nick just 
us only seeing him text his dad and be like, hey, where are you? I'm here, like, you know, and then, like, no response or, like, actually, I can't meet, I'm busy, would have felt, like, too cliche. Yeah. But him meeting and then, like, immediately having to go feels like it both surprises you and then, like, reaffirms what you already felt. (laughs) Like, it's a good balancing of it, I think. Yeah. Uh, And then Nick and Charlie end up making out one day in the hotel room. (laughs) And what happens but... Charlie gets a little hickey. Charlie gets a hickey. <laughs> Sounds like a like a book, like like a YA book or a, not YA, but maybe middle school book. Here's the thing, Ian. These two idiots <laughs> never consider covering it up with makeup. Nope. We, we were immediately like, like just get ask makeup. the girls. Yeah. Like you have so many friends who are girls that you could that you see all the time that you hang out with regularly. You could be like, hey, can I get something to cover this up? So easily. And in the comic, actually, yes. Tao is the one that's like, why didn't you just ask the girls for makeup? And they're kind of like, what? <laughs> Which is funny because they went through the whole arc of Charlie being seen with the hickey and then followed it up with like the, oh, why didn't you ask for makeup? So you got the best of both worlds. Yeah. But in the show, they never acknowledge that they could have just covered it up with makeup. No. Instead, the whole school is gossiping, or at least the classmates that are on this trip, about who... Gave Charlie that hickey. Yeah, it's a big mystery. Yeah. And like I said earlier, too, um, with like the hickey and like making out more and kind of having some time alone in this hotel room, they do have conversations about sex and both of them are not ready for anything close to that right now. And I do think it's really good that they talk about it. Yeah. So they're on the same page and that they're also not feeling like pressure Even if the other person isn't actively pressuring them, sometimes you need to just talk it out. Yeah. And it's like awkward, you know, but like they both are kind of on the same page. And like, I think it plays out like very realistically, but very sweetly. Uh, Let's catch up with Tao and Al uh, in their Paris phase. So we get more of Tao kind of talking about himself in this portion of the show, the show specifically, I, the the comic t- touches on it a little bit too, but Tao kind of saying that like, why would Elle like me? Like, she's so amazing. Like she's gone through so much shit and has come out stronger for it. And like, I'm just me. Right. Yeah. And we just hear him talking down on himself a lot. And for me, this was so important to his character Because it gives context to the frustrating ways that he acted last season. Yeah. Which I I think we know that, like, he was was always lashing out because of insecurity. But I don't think it ever talked about it directly enough Mm -hmm. to actually, like, be addressing the insecurity that he's dealing with and where it comes from. Yeah. And so, like, just hearing him discuss this uh, really, I think gave you more of an emotional connection to him. Yeah. And it is interesting, though, because in the comic, we do have Charlie finally telling Tao about him and Nick. Yeah. Because in the show, you know, Tao already knows. But in the comic, it's when they're in Paris that Charlie actually tells him about it. And Tao is, like, really surprised, one. (laughs) Proving that he's dumb. I know. Yeah. 
And then he's really offended that Charlie didn't tell him earlier because he's like, am I the last to know? Like, this is so obnoxious. Kind of going back to that first season where Tao was also pissed to find out that he was the last yeah. to know, right? Um, but Charlie ends up saying in the comic here, um, I know that it might have been you that outed me and that's why I didn't tell you. Which... Honestly, for me, seemed a little out of character for Charlie. Yeah. Because he really puts so much on himself and is really like, tries not to make anybody else feel bad. And so for him to directly tell Tao that like, I didn't tell you because I know that it was like your fault that I got outed. Yeah. Felt really out of character for him. Whereas in the show, when Tao kind of comes to Charlie and says, I think it was my fault. Instead of a lead telling Charlie that it was Tao that did it, right? Yeah. I kind of like that Tao comes to Charlie in the show and is like, I think it was my fault. And Charlie's like, it's not your fault, right? Yeah, and the fact that this is the first time Charlie's hearing this. And you can tell, like, there's a moment of, like, confusion, maybe anger. You know, like, he's kind of, like, processing what he just heard. But he so quickly forgives Tao. Yeah. And is like, you didn't do it on purpose, right? And... He tells Tao, like, you're a good person and you deserve love. Yeah. And it's such a sweet moment. And you see really where Tao's, like, frustration with himself comes from and how he blames himself for things. And you realize this this internal struggle that he's going through, right? And this, like, fear of rejection, fear of being, like, left out. But then also that feeding back into his kind of self-hatred. Yeah. So, like, all of this just added so much more context and detail and depth to him that I was way better with him this season. Yeah, and I just prefer how they handle this in the show. And also, maybe it's just that his hair is normal now. Yeah, maybe we just like him maybe more. Maybe we relate to him better. <laughs> maybe he was, like, in the uncanny valley before with his hair, <laughs> where we're just like, I don't, like, associate him something is as wrong. a human. Yeah, something's, like, off. But now he's out of the uncanny valley, <laughs> and we can connect with him as a human. As a human being. <laughs> I love that take. That's great. <laughs> but Tao ends up having a moment with Elle where they kiss. In the Louvre. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful view. It is. It's really. And once again, it's exactly like the comic. So yeah. I'm like, the comic, I'm like. Did she go there? Did she go this? there and draw this? Or did they just make up a room in the Louvre <laughs> for CGI this scene to it, right? Yeah. <laughs> CGI, like the glass pyramid into the in window. In the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they kiss. And now it seems like things are good between them. They seem really happy. They're kissing all over the place in the hotel. It's very cute. Yeah. Let's talk about Isaac here, because Isaac has a little bit of a story this season. We kind of laughed about last season. Isaac was just the other, the third friend <laughs> just sitting around reading all the time, right? Yeah. And this season, there's a, a guy that he's talking to a lot named James. James, who is gay on the trip. Um, and James seems into Isaac. Yeah. And they, the two of them are hanging out. Yeah, and it seems like very cute, right? But also something like seems maybe a little off, right? And and it's really hard. And I like the way they handled this where like there's a scene where Isaac, I forget if he's talking to James or like what's going on, but he looks behind him and there's like a couple making out and he just kind of like looks away. And and you don't even know how to process like what what was that, 
Like what what was that shot meant to invoke, right? Yeah. And then in another scene in the show, he asks Charlie, how did you know that you liked Nick? And Charlie kind of goes off about like, oh, you know, I was so excited to be near him. Like I always wanted to kiss him. Like, you know, all the the signs of infatuation and, and lust, right? And Isaac just feeling like, confused and charlie maybe not noticing that yeah and so we get a scene outside of a party in the hotel where isaac is sitting reading as usual and james shows up and they sit next to each other and they do this whole awkward cute thing where james is like well i like somebody yeah isaac has to be like is it me and he's (laughs) like yeah and james leans over and kisses isaac And Isaac kind of pulls away and there's this kind of awkward moment. And James is like, oh, I'm I'm sorry. Was that not good? I've never kissed anyone before. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, no, no, (laughs) I feel bad for everyone in this situation right now. Yeah. Isaac just kind of is like, I'm sorry, I can't and, and leaves. And you you don't know what's going on, but you're like, oh, my God, please, this is hurting me. <laughs> and James is like so kind and like I sweet know. and it just absolutely crushed me emotionally. It's awful. <laughs> How dare they? How dare you, Isaac? But on the good side, uh, Imogen and Ben break up. <laughs> I was so happy about this because <laughs> early on in the trip, we see Imogen with Ben and she's like, Oh, suggesting things that they could do or places they could do or places they could go. And Ben is just like ignoring her. Ben is being a whiny bitch. He's like, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, that's lame. Oh, that's stupid. Oh, <laughs> and Imogen is literally like, okay, fine. And then just like leaves, and leaves him <laughs> and goes hang out with like goes to hang out with the rest of the group. Yeah. And I was so happy for her in that moment. And so Imogen is just kind of like one of the gang now. Yes. But she's not quite broken up with Ben yet until they're all sitting around for dinner and Ben starts talking to Charlie and Ben has been like glaring at Charlie or just like giving looks to Charlie. Right. And he had mentioned to Nick earlier they had an assignment together to like translate (laughs) French words or whatever. And he tells Nick like. I want Charlie back. Yeah. And he's like, I could have, like, made it work with Charlie. Like, you stole him from me. Yeah. Like, I was trying to figure myself out. Like, I wasn't a great person, but I am I would have, like, figured it out. Charlie and I could have been really happy together. Like, you you messed this up for us. Yes. And Ben has just continued to, like, be around, be a nuisance, like, just staring at Charlie all the time. And in this scene at dinner, uh, he tries talking to Charlie and Imogen is like, what the fuck, Ben? Like, you've been ignoring me this whole trip. Why are you obsessed with Charlie? <laughs> and, like, the room is dead quiet. Like, yeah. everyone is listening to this argument. Yeah, and she's like, I deserve better than this. We're breaking up. Uh, ben calls her a bitch. And then Harry stands <laughs> up for her and is like, whoa. You don't have to call her a bitch. And I, <laughs> I loved it because it's so shocking for Harry the douchebag bully. Yes. To like be like, whoa, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's great. And Imogen's not with Ben anymore and we're all happy. Yes. And there's a really sweet moment where Nick goes to kind of comfort her and then Charlie goes. And I think Imogen kind of puts things together and she's like, did something happen? Asking Charlie, did something happen between you two last year? 
And Charlie kind of not responding, but also responding. Yeah. And Imogen makes a comment about like, uh, if only I didn't like boys, this would be like a lot easier. Or if I liked <laughs> girls, it'd be easier. <laughs> but they kind of just like give her a hug and it's like really sweet. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Tara and Darcy, who we haven't talked about yet this season. But they've kind of had this dynamic where they seem really solid. And then Tara ends up blurting out an accidental I love you to Darcy. And Darcy doesn't say it back. No, she kind of plays it off with like a laugh. And we start to see this being a problem where Darcy isn't really able to talk about things seriously. And there's a scene where Charlie and Tara have a conversation where Charlie kind of talks about how he's actually a little envious of Tara because the two of them are just out and don't really care. You know what I mean? And get to just like be affectionate in public. Whereas Charlie and Nick are hiding it. But Tara kind of confesses like, well, you two are so open and honest with your feelings. But Darcy isn't like that. Like, I can't get her to take anything seriously. And I feel like we can't have any serious conversations. There's a lot of parts of her that she keeps hidden that I don't know about. And so we're seeing kind of their dynamic more deeply. And Tara kind of tries to have more conversations with Darcy where she's pushing her and bringing up the I love you, but Darcy keeps avoiding it. It gets to the point where, you know, they're having this party in Paris and uh, Darcy gets drunk on cheap vodka (laughs) and ends up puking on one of the teacher's beds, right? (laughs) And then afterwards, she and Tara are kind of able to have a more in-depth conversation and she just apologizes for not being able to say it. And she's like, I do love you. I'm not just saying this because I'm drunk. Like, I'm really sorry. I've been a bad girlfriend. Like, I care about you. I love you. Yeah, it's a really touching moment. And I like seeing them. I like seeing their problems, right? Because, like, in some ways, they're what Charlie aspires to. But you see that, like, not everything's perfect with their dynamic, right? Yeah, yeah. And they have their own issues. But, um... (laughs) So Darcy throws up on one of the teacher's beds and the two chaperones for this Paris trip are Nathan and Yusef. They have um, last names, but uh, they're difficult to pronounce. So I'm just going to go Nathan and Yusef. I know I know Farouk. I don't know how to pronounce Nathan's last name. Yeah, because I don't know if they say it this season. And I yeah. <laughs> so uh, Nathan and Yusef and we Yusef is a new character this season. He was kind of leading the exams that Nick was taking. Yeah. And he seemed kind of like a hard ass, mm-hmm. like kind of an intimidating teacher. But there's a scene when the two of them catch Nick and Charlie in the hallway making out and being gay and send (laughs) them back to their room. And Nathan makes a comment about like, of course, like I used to do that, like in in high school running around with boys, you know, what about you? Did you ever (laughs) run around, run around with boys in high school? (laughs) Yeah. And Yusef is sort of like. Well, since I didn't really discover my sexuality until my 20s, I didn't really have those high school experiences. So both of them kind of like coming out to each other in this moment. Yeah. Um, And then there's kind of like a flirting situation (laughs) between them where Nathan's kind of flirting with Yusef. And then after Darcy throws up on the bed... Nathan is like, we need to get uh, some sheets for the bed. And Yusef's like, "Uh oh, <laughs> or we could just both sleep in my bed. No, yeah. that, no, that's stupid. That's no, a stupid I'm sorry. Idea. I, I shouldn't have, have said, said it. I shouldn't have. No, it's unprofessional. <laughs> and then Nathan's like, I don't think that's a stupid idea. And then they totally fuck. They do it. 
off the page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is funny, though, to kind of have, like, a more adult flirtation slash relationship where they can just yeah. kind of more directly, like, get to it, and right? This, and this brings me to another point about this comic and TV series that I love, and that is that everyone is gay. Every single person is gay, Adina. Yes. Even the straight ones might be gay. Might actually be gay. <laughs> gay until proven straight, Ian. Gay until proven straight. <laughs> and you know what? Tao and L are straight, right? But Elle is trans, so I think that makes them gay. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think... Uh, <laughs> There's yeah. queerness There's queerness it. involved in the dynamics. So yes. I think that is also included. Everyone right? is gay. Yes. <laughs> it's wonderful. I love it. Yes. And yeah, I mean, just keep doing it. Make Harry gay. Make everyone gay, yes. right? Every single the one parents. of them. The parents. <laughs> the parents get divorced because the now dog. they're gay. The dogs... <laughs> <laughs> it is it is really funny though i just love how much they just kind of commit to this right yes like hey the two teachers that are chaperones they're both gay and, and now it's they're so cute and i love it's it wonderful i love every second of it <laughs> um so this party where uh darcy gets too drunk on vodka right they're playing like a spin the bottle truth or dare type situation and this is when the other people in the group that we haven't met end up being shitty. Okay, Adina, who is this bitch? I don't know. In the, in the show. There's one girl <laughs> who's like, oh, I dare. What, what, what's the first dare? Oh, I dare um, Charlie to kiss James. James is Isaac's friend who's also openly gay. Yeah. And everyone, everyone's like, oh, come on, don't make them do that. Like, that's weird, right? And Charlie's kind of awkward about it. And then she's like, okay, well, you have to do a truth then. And he's like, okay. And she's like, who gave you that hickey? Yeah, I'm like, cool it, lady. Who the fuck are you? We don't even know you. Yeah. You don't even go here. <laughs> yeah, and it's this super awkward moment for Charlie. And he's kind of like not wanting to say. And then Nick kind of is like, I know who did it. And he kind of takes, looks at Charlie, takes Charlie's hand and says, it was me. We're dating. And Aww. I love this moment. And like. People suddenly just start asking them questions and someone asks, like, are you do you want us to keep it a secret? Mm -hmm. And I love this ally. Yes. <laughs> who's like this person who's like, wait. Yeah, yeah. Do you want everyone to know? And Nick is kind of like, I think I'm OK with that. Like, I'm OK with people knowing. And I just love how it's kind of anticlimactic in the best way. Right. Yeah. And there's a line in the comic that I really wish was in the show and and it's kind of pertaining to a slightly different aspect of Nick kind of having to come out to like multiple people in different ways and he says something like you know in movies there's kind of just one big coming out scene and then they're done with it <laughs> yeah. and like it's more tiring in real life you have to keep coming out to different people <laughs> and similarly I think like it's usually played up more in films and stuff yeah. where it's like a big moment and it is, we know it's significant for the characters here, but also, like, it happens and then people just kind of move on. Yeah. It almost feels like something that you would maybe experience yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, yeah, it was just at a party and we were playing a dumb game and they just told us, right? Yeah. Like, there's kind of a, a reality to it that I really like. Yeah, I agree. That kind of wraps up the Paris trip. Yeah. Let's move to post-Paris. Post, part three, post-Paris. <laughs> 
So it, it begins pretty early on with Elle finding out that she has been accepted into this art school. Yeah. There's an exhibition where she gets to show off her work in this like queer themed art show, which is really cool. Um, and there is a little bit of tension between her and Tao because what they have is very new and she's worried about how he'll react when she tells him that she's accepted. Eventually it does come out and Tao is anxious about it and he does say like, I'm feeling stressed, but he also is very much like, I want you to make this decision for you and for your reasons and not because of me. And I think being able to see Tao grow this much and to be able to let go and just be like, you do your thing and I'll still be here for you is huge. It's so because I mean, even at the beginning of this season, after their bad first date, he kind of is yelling at Elle about like you and your new friends and like you're going to leave me and like just being pouty and annoying and like the old towel that we remember from season one. Right. And just seeing him be way more mature about this and just way more confident and like just supportive of Elle is great. I know. I love it. Like, it's really good. This was really such an arc for him this season. And now I'm like, I actually like Tao now. I know. And like, he feels more confident. And like, when he's just being like funny and like kind of like a goofball, like he is a good endearing character. And I think you get to see more of that and there's less baggage and it's just good overall. And the hair is gone. (laughs) The hair. The hair is is gone. gone. He also has some good moments with his mom where his mom really offers a lot of perspective for him on the L situation before they start dating. And then she's able to celebrate with him when they are dating. And I love how obsessed she is with this. I'm like, is she too into this <laughs> no, idea? I love it. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, she's very excited. She's been shipping them the whole time, man. She's like, I have to call all your relatives because I've told them all about yeah. this. <laughs> she's like, I've already written like a lot of fan fiction. <laughs> about you, my teenage about son. About my son and his best friend. Yeah. We also get a scene of Tao and Nick connecting a bit more. And I've loved seeing this evolve because Tao was not a fan of Nick. In yeah, he was one. really hostile. He was. And we've seen Nick reaching out to Tao, trying to make a connection. And he really talked up, talked up Tao uh, in, on the Paris trip, telling Tao that, like, listen, I think you're a really great guy. And like, Elle would be lucky to have you, that sort of thing. And like. Tao almost, like, isn't able to accept that kind of (laughs) kindness from Nick and, like, almost has to, like, leave. But here they get a moment where they're talking. They're setting up for prom. And Tao is able to tell Nick about, like, his insecurities about people leaving him and his dad passing away when he was younger and how that probably has kind of shaped his, like, fears about being left. And it's just kind of a really sweet moment where Tao gets to open up to Nick and you just see them growing closer, right? Yeah, I really love this moment. And you also know that, you know, Tao saw two of his friends go through kind of like traumatic experiences. Yeah. Where Elle transitioned, right? Which we don't hear a lot about, but must have been like really difficult for her, right? And then Charlie was outed and was being bullied. And so you understand that he's super possessive and protective over his friends, right? And then he talks about losing his dad and this fear of losing people, right, or being left, um, really tying into that dynamic as well. So yeah, just a really great scene from Tao. And this is only in the show. We don't get anything like this in the comic. No. 
let's talk about one of the most significant scenes of the whole season, and that is Ben being a fucking stalker and a creep and following Charlie all over the place until he finally confronts him in an alleyway with an apology. (laughs) A concealed apology, Adina. An ambush, as Charlie puts it. Yeah, Ben shows up. He's been spamming Charlie with messages and texts and all this. Charlie hasn't been responding. And he's like, really need to talk, really need to talk. And then just shows up, ambushes Charlie, and is like, I want to apologize for how I treated you last year. I was in a really bad place. Like, my parents are not supportive. I can't be out to them. Like, I should have treated you better. And, like, I'm sorry. And just kind of is expecting something from Charlie here, right? Yes. And I thought this worked so well. Because as he's giving the apology, you're like, okay, like, it's good that he's apologizing, right? But also, something feels lacking in it, right? Like, he kind of is like, my parents wouldn't be understanding. Like, it feels like he's making excuses. And, like, the way he's been, like, bombarding Charlie with texts and, like, following him places. Like, it doesn't feel totally right. But also, in my brain, I'm like, I could imagine Charlie, like, accepting his apology and them trying to, like, work this out. But, like, I didn't... I knew something felt wrong, right? Yeah, and Charlie responds and is just kind of like, I don't owe you my forgiveness. You treated me so terribly last year. You made me feel so bad about myself. And I started to believe that the way you treated me was the way that I deserve to be treated, right? Like, that fucked me up. That messed me up. And I'm still dealing with that, like, the consequences of that. And you don't get to just show up here, and he uses that word, ambush me, with an apology and expect me to just forgive you and we can move on. He's basically saying, like, if you want to go off and be a good person, like, I believe that you can do that, but it's not my job to, like, help you on that journey, and I honestly don't ever want to see you again. And Ben kind of says that he's going to a different school next year, so I do think this is the last that we're going to see of him in the show. And I think it's so interesting And so important to have this scene for Charlie to just be able to say, like, I don't owe you forgiveness. Yeah. And this feels like something that I think is expected both in reality and, like, narratively, right? Like, I think there's this expectation in reality that when someone apologizes, you're just supposed to accept it because they apologized, right? Yeah. If they say, I'm sorry, like, you're supposed to be like, okay, fine. And same with, like, in a story, right? Like, this is naturally... Where the story an goes. An end of an arc, right? An end of an arc where, like, oh, we want to wrap things up that feels, like, nice and tidy where Charlie gets to forgive Ben and Ben gets to, like, leave and maybe probably be a better person, right? But, like, that's not what's best for Charlie. Like, Charlie doesn't owe him that. Like, it wouldn't probably be healthy for him to, like, forgive him after all the shit that he did. Yeah. And I just thought it was, like, such a great way they handled it where... Charlie just is like, I don't necessarily, like, wish you any, like, harm or anything, but, like, I don't fucking want to do any, I I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. Yeah, I'm not part of your story anymore. Yeah, and this is so interesting to me because this is a speech that is pulled from the comic, but in the comic, it's Charlie telling it to Harry. And I felt like, and in that scene, it was like him shutting Harry out of, like, a party. 
where Harry wanted to come in. And Harry is kind of like apologizing for being homophobic. And he's kind of like being sincere, but also kind of joking, right? They're surrounded by their friends, right? It's a very public scene. And then Charlie's kind of like, I don't owe you anything. You ambushed me with this apology. Slams the door in his face. And everybody kind of cheers in the comic. But I feel like this is so much more emotionally impactful for Charlie's character to be saying this to Ben. Someone that like so deeply hurt and betrayed him. And manipulated yeah. him. And assaulted him. And like. Yeah. And and Ben is like obviously going through his own shit that like he needs to handle. And you do sympathize with him. But he doesn't get a pass for that reason. Exactly. I, I just think it like rode that line like so perfectly and it like gave you a really because like you're like what are they gonna do with ben are they gonna give ben a redemption arc right because they kept ben involved and he's not involved at all in the comic right yeah he's gone he's gone uh and so like you know ben's around ben's like being weird and like wanting to apologize to charlie and wants him back and like you're like oh are they gonna redeem him like there was kind of a big question mark about like where's this going and i'm just so happy with how it was written and i love the ending visual too i thought was so beautiful and impactful and the show has always had this motif of like doing this kind of sketchy comic book visualization of things right Mm -hmm. like obviously the 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 windswept leaves <laughs> that kind of go around characters as they're like in love, right? It's very cute. It or um, you know, later on Darcy coming home, there's kind of a a smog around her house, right? It like usually it's more of just a vibe. But here it was like so beautifully symbolic where after Charlie tells Ben off, uh, there's a shot of Ben's feet and there's a tide coming in. It's the pride tide, Adina. <laughs> the pride tide. I love it. May the pride tide come in. <laughs> May it wash us all away. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of um like a rainbow tide is kind of coming in towards Ben's feet, like almost like inviting him. But he he turns away. Yeah. Right. It's like he's still not there. Mm-hmm. He's not ready to step in. He's not ready to accept that part of himself. But it's like, it's there, right? It's like reaching out for him. Mm -hmm. And there's something like really beautifully symbolic about that that I just thought was like very touching. Almost like it's there when he's ready for it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like inviting and just, I, I loved that visual so much. Yeah, and I like the idea of like him going off and like, yes, maybe he will figure his shit out, right? But, like, Charlie doesn't need to fix him, no. right? And, like, he, that's on him to, like, figure his stuff out and go on his own journey and accept himself. So, yeah, I just love, I just love the way this is handled in the yeah. show. Yeah. Let's get back to Isaac. Yes. Isaac is feeling, I think, stressed about what happened with James. He ends up talking with James and just saying, I'm sorry, I just don't feel that way about you. I really respect Isaac for just being honest with James and trying to like keep that open communication and not just ghost him after their kiss, <laughs> yeah. right? And James is kind of like, it's okay. Like, you'll feel that about someone else when it's right. And Isaac just kind of being like, I don't know. He gets this really great moment where he tells his friends off because they're like, ooh, what ooh, happened with you and James? Did you kiss? 
and Isaac is just like, fuck off. <laughs> He's like, I love this for Isaac. He's yeah. been, Isaac gets another great scene earlier where he tells Harry off, <laughs> where he's just like, Harry, you make people miserable. Like, do you have any ounce of humanity? He's like, they're supposed to be doing a homework assignment, and he's just grilling he goes Harry. Off. I love it. It's great. Um, but he gets this moment where he kind of, like, leans into, or he kind of, like, um, chews out his friends a little bit, and he kind of says something like, just because I, like, don't have some kind of romantic storyline going on in my life doesn't mean, like, it's, like, less valid or anything. Yeah. And I think that's, like, really great. I love seeing the opposite of, like, it's almost like this step back from the show itself. The cuteness of the show. Where it's, like, all oh, these, like, gay uh, teenagers all, like, finding themselves and, and being romantic up. and coupling. And then, like, you get this outside perspective of Isaac kind of just being, like, Ugh. Yeah. Like, is anything else important? Like, am I the only one who cares about (laughs) books and literature, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then we have a couple other moments with him when he goes to the art show and interacts with this art and this artist who talks about being asexual and aromantic. And then he grabs a book from the library, Ian, about asexuality as well. And so I think... And from, like, the little animations around Isaac when he grabs the book and holds it to his chest, that we can safely assume that Isaac is asexual and possibly aromantic as well and, you know, doesn't feel sexual attraction or romantic interest in others. And that's okay and that's totally valid and he is great and we love him. I love getting to explore this through Isaac's character. I think it's really rewarding, right? Yeah, and we know that the author, Alice Oseman, is asexual and aromantic. So I really think like she intentionally brought this to this character to represent this aspect of herself. Yeah, I will say, I thought the scene where Isaac talked to the guy at the art gallery... Is a little much. It's a little... I think it's honestly only its timing. It happens literally right after he talks to James. And then he meets this guy at an art gallery. And he's like, oh, I like this piece. What it, what's it about? It's about how I'm asexual and aromantic. That's where you don't feel sexual attraction <laughs> or romantic feelings towards any individual. And like he just kind of like explains what being asexual is to Isaac. And it just felt so on the nose in that moment. Yeah. I honestly think if they could have just cut that scene and Isaac could have just found the book later. Yeah. And it would have had like the same. The same effect. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Let's talk about an awkward family dinner, Ian. (laughs) Uh, So Nick's dad is uh, visiting from France, coming over for dinner, and he's like, hey, you know what would make this dinner like extra awkward and uncomfortable? (laughs) Charlie, what if you come and bring your parents and family, too? Yeah. And we'll all get together with my dad, who I hardly know, and my <laughs> shitty-ass brother. And we'll all have a great, awkward It'll be dinner. an awesome time, right? Of course. Um, yeah, and something interesting about this scene is that this is at the end of volume four of the comic. Yeah. Which is so strange, but I kind of get it because they sort of begin the dad arc with seeing him in Paris. And in the comic, they don't actually see him in Paris. Nick just talks about trying to meet up with him and texting him to Charlie. But since they actually meet up in the show, I think they wanted to have more scenes with him and to kind of wrap up this arc with Nick and his dad. Well, and Nick's arc this season is about coming out to people. And there might be more of that in the future as well. But like him coming out to his dad... 
is a big part of that too, I think. So it makes sense to kind of include that here. Yeah. Uh, so we have a dinner and Nick's brother, David, of course, knows that Charlie and Nick are dating and that the dad doesn't know. And so he's making like all these like very leading comments about Nick and Charlie, like, oh, where did you two meet? Right. Like yeah. just being a shit. And I love Charlie's sister. Tori. Tori is like staring daggers at him. And at one point she just grabs onto his <laughs> forearm with like an iron grip <laughs> and is like, don't you fucking dare. Yeah. She's awesome. <laughs> She's great. But because of David's comments, Nick kind of feels like he needs to like stand up and be like, okay, well, I'll just say it then. Charlie and I are dating dad. And uh, you know what? I don't care because you're never around and you never care about what's going on in my life. So I don't really care if you know or not. And also, David, stop being a piece of shit just because you hate yourself. You can't make me feel about bad about myself. <laughs> just, I was like, go off, Nick. He's just like, and you get a diss and you get a diss. And he's just like laying his family out. Except yeah. his mom, of course. Of course. And then the dad is kind of like... David, you're being like a shit. And then the mom is like, don't you tell David that he's being a shit when you have not stepped in to help raise him. And then the, the whole family's like kind of going at it. And I love it. And Nick steps out and like Charlie steps out with him. And then the mom eventually follows and they're outside. And he kind of asks the mom, like, why doesn't dad care about us? And she's just like, I don't know, but I think it's kind of a sad existence. <laughs> and I really love that, right? Just kind of the... Like, your dad's probably not happy. Yeah, and him being like, he's not a really good dad, is he? And the mom's like, no, he isn't. <laughs> like, he just, she's over it. No, yeah. <laughs> he just isn't. And so this is kind of a funny uh, <laughs> way of introducing Charlie's parents to uh, Nick's family. Yeah. Uh, we also get a great scene where Tori... Uh, was using the bathroom and steps out and David is sitting on the steps talking on his phone to like somebody about just like his brother and just complaining about him and Charlie and Charlie and Tori's just standing like a little bit above him on the steps and then she just like kicks the phone straight out of his hands I love it and then she's like if you say any more about my brother I will end you. <laughs> I love this. It was really great. And yeah, David just can't. <laughs> David say is shit. so intimidated. I also love the moment too when the dad is leaving, uh, Nick and uh Nick and David's dad is going. And he's like basically out the door, and David comes down and is like, Oh, you're going, Dad? Yeah. Like the dad didn't even like say bye or tell him he was gonna go. Yeah. And you can just kind of like, not that it's an excuse. For David's character that his dad was, like, aloof and shitty or anything like that. But, like, it does kind of make you be like, uh, like... Yeah, and Nick gets a moment with his dad where his dad is kind of like, Charlie seems nice. Like, I'm sorry I haven't been around. And Nick is kind of like, okay, well, if you're sorry, then, like, do something about it. Like, change, you know? And like you said, there's a moment where, like... The dad says goodbye to David and says something about like, oh, let me know when you're back in like whatever city that you're going to university. And he gets the city wrong. Yeah. And David is kind of like, I think just disappointed, you know? Yeah. You can tell that maybe David is trying or wants more than Nick to be close to the dad, but like the dad's not giving him anything at all. 
and it's it, it is kind of sad like despite how shitty david is yeah it's sad to see that dynamic play out yes and now we go to prom and obviously what happens in the <laughs> middle of the summer but i don't okay <laughs> <sighs> yeah no like they're not back at school when they come they're back. not I don't get it. I don't get it at all. This is not in the comics. This is just a show thing. Is it possibly a UK thing? I don't think so. I honestly don't think they have prom in the UK. Maybe they do. But I don't know. I don't. I I did wonder that like (laughs) when they were going to prom and I'm like, oh, do I'm like, they must have prom in the UK. Like, I didn't know if they did or not. Yeah. In the middle of summer, allegedly. <laughs> Maybe. After going to Paris. If we have uh, British listeners, you can tell us a little bit if this caught you as weird or like off or anything like that. We'd love to know. This definitely feels like how in last season they had like a big school event at the end of the show that wasn't in the comic for that like field day. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, we have to do prom at the end of this season. Maybe. Yeah. Which I think. Um, we had like a little bit of an issue with in the last episode that it kind of felt like a little silly to do this. And then yeah. now I feel the same about prom. Like it's cute, but I'm like, what's the point of it? Yeah, it, it kind of um, in some ways it underplays the prom thing at the end. And like that feels maybe a little real, but also a little bit of like. Why do we do this in the yeah, first place? Like in some ways it's like a subversion, but at other points it feels a little underwhelming. Yeah, because like. Nick comes out on Instagram, which is a big step for him. And then he and Charlie are going to go to the prom, like, together. And they go. But then when they're there, they're kind of feeling this pressure to perform, right? And to be out. And they end up being like, let's just, like, go to my house and hang out. And so, like, the group of them all just go back to his place. So, like, they don't even really do prom. And I don't really know what the point was. I know. I, I, I feel very similar Before prom, it's actually at the end of episode seven, we see Darcy at home. And this has kind of been, like, alluded to, like, this season. Uh, At one point, Tara says, like, why haven't I met your mom or your family or ever been to your house, right? And Darcy just kind of, like, dodges the question. But now we see Darcy going home. We see these, like, uh, threatening purple drawing clouds (laughs) around the house, right? And I kind of like how we don't actually hear any of this play out. Like, I I think just like a musical score is playing over top. Yeah. But Darcy is she she gets this like blazer to wear to prom, which like everyone pays for or helps her pay for all of her friends. But we see the mom like clearly making a comment about it and her and Darcy fighting and Darcy storming off like with a bag in hand. And... When prom is beginning, Tara's, like, trying to get in contact with her, and, like, Darcy's just not returning any of her texts. She doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know what's going on. She eventually goes to Darcy's house because she doesn't know what's going on, and Darcy's mom answers, and Tara doesn't say that they're dating. She just says, like, I'm a friend. I haven't seen her. I was just worried. And the mom is like, oh, she had one of her tantrums again. Uh, She was wearing this outfit, and I, of course, told her that she looked like a lesbian. And Tara's just like, okay, well, I'll let her know if, like, that you're looking for her if I see her. And it's just, like, really sad. And then eventually, you know, Tara and Darcy are reunited after the prom at Nick's house when the whole gang is there. And they get this really good moment together where Darcy is saying, like, I felt like I couldn't say I love you because I didn't feel like 
you would love me if you knew the truth about me. And that truth is that I'm out and confident at school, but at home I have to hide who I am. And I'm in this very like toxic situation with my parents. And it's so sad because it, it, like you said, to her, it feels like she's not being honest with Tara about herself, right? It feels like she's almost like living a lie by being like this, like very out and kind of like unapologetic lesbian, right? At school and stuff. But like, obviously at home, like it's a way different situation and it's like really toxic and bad. And Dar- Darcy and Tara just kind of get to like talk about this. And Tara is like, no, these are just like, this is something you're dealing with. Like it's an aspect of your life, but it doesn't mean that like you're not who you are. Yeah. Or you're not being like genuine when you're around me. And like they just kind of get to say that they love each other. And it's just really, really sweet and touching. It is really good. I love getting to see this part of Darcy and and her struggles. Right. And that they're supporting each other through it. Of course. Yes. We also get a very supportive conversation between Charlie and Nick, where Nick is like, I want you to talk to me about what happened with the bullying. And Charlie kind of ends up telling him how bad it was, what it caused him to feel like, and also that because of the bullying, he actually was self-harming at one point. And, you know, this is a moment where Charlie is being very upfront with, or (laughs) he is being very upfront with Nick. And Nick is being like, you have to tell me when you're having a low moment. Like, this is important. And Charlie is very much like, oh, no, I don't want to burden you. Like, I don't want to be a problem. And and Nick is trying to impress on him how important it is that he is honest and open with him and that, like, he can't support him if he doesn't talk to him. I love this part. And it's so sad because, like, Charlie went through so much when he was outed. And, like, we don't we didn't even see it, but we just know, yeah, it, right? Yeah. Like, we know he was bullied He was in this terrible relationship with Ben, but like he's come through it so much stronger and he's helped Nick through so much in his own experience, right? Coming out. Yeah. And yet he still has like such a low opinion of himself as being like weak and not wanting to be a bother and like doesn't see himself as being like a strong person. And I just think Nick is like so great and supportive in this scene And just really trying to, like, hold Charlie to the commitment of, like, tell me when stuff is going on. Like, I need to know. Mm -hmm. And so they seem to kind of come to terms with this at this point, right? Yeah. And we get this great closing moment where Charlie's leaving and he's walking home. And he he types up a message to Nick that says, I love you. And his thumb is hovering over the send button. And then you see this kind of like look of like doubt on his face, maybe, or mm-hmm. concern, but then maybe a smile and then it cuts to black. <laughs> I, I just thought it was like such a great way to kind of like end that episode and end the season. And end the season. Yeah. Because obviously they love each other, right? Yeah. They just have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so clear to us. <laughs> yes. Obviously they're in love. <laughs> but that's it. For season two of Heartstopper and volume three with a smattering of volume two. Volume four. Volume four, sorry. (laughs) Getting myself all mixed up. uh, Of the comic. Uh, And that leads us to the question of which did you enjoy better, Adina? 
It's the show. It's it's the, sh- it's the show. <laughs> There's no suspense here. It's the show. <laughs> I mean, the comics are awesome, and I mean, they are literally like the blueprint for the show. Yes. But the show just fills out the characters so deeply. I mean, I love what went on with Tao this season. Yeah. That was amazing. And with Isaac. Yeah. That was totally original to the season. Yeah. Uh, and like Ben wasn't included at all in the comic as well. And I thought them bringing him back ended up like where it went was like really great. Yeah. And Darcy's arc as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just like really, I think this season did such a great job of fleshing out some of these secondary characters that we liked in the first season, but really gave them something to deal with and work on. And it was just really cool to see them do it so well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a wonderful show. It's so heartwarming. And the comic is the comic is very good too. There is something like about the comic where maybe it's just like a, a pacing thing or like I, I made a joke about it earlier how much how many panels there are of like Charlie and Nick like rolling around and, and kissing. kissing and like all that stuff. And in the show, there's a lot of that, too, which I like and I think is good. And I think it's just good to just see a affectionate, romantic, queer relationship like that, like, you know, in in media. Something about the comic, I'm just more like, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah, kinda, you're like, I'm, scr- I'm like, just kind of like flipping past, you know, yeah. like it, it's sweet and touching, but it's like less um, impactful. Yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a show from both of us. Yes, go and watch the show if you haven't. Yes, which if you're listening to season or episode on season two, you probably have. You but... probably have, but in case you haven't, <laughs> just in case, it's you really important. It. <laughs> let's do lightning round. Yeah, let's do let's do a lightning. So first up for lightning, we mentioned him a couple times in a few different scenes, but Harry. Yes. What are they gonna do with Harry? I don't know, but I'm excited. I'm really really interested <laughs> because like. We mentioned his kind of like half-assed apology where Charlie like slams the door in his face. But even before that, someone's giving uh, Nick shit about like hanging out with Charlie. And Harry was like, all right, come on, boys. Like, let's leave him alone. And they were like, did Harry stand up for us? (laughs) And then, of course, when he's like, he tells Ben, like, there's no reason to call her a bitch. Yeah. And I'm like, are they going to give Harry a redemption arc? Well, and then at the prom, doesn't he say something about like, oh, Nick came here with his boyfriend, but you guys can't bring girlfriends. Like he's <laughs> yeah. like, yell- he's like criticizing the other boys. The other guys are not getting yeah. dates. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like very, and we even made a joke about that because early in the season, we were like, are they going to redeem Ben? And then I think you brought up like, what about Harry? Like, do you think they'll redeem Harry? And you were making a joke about it. Yeah. But then those scenes started happening. And we're like, oh, my God, maybe they'll try to redeem Harry. <laughs> I love in the comic, they make a comment. They're like, is Harry's hair less pointy than usual? <laughs> yeah. As if that has affected his personality. <laughs> hair is very important, Ian. It is. It is. It, it, uh, it emulates your towel. It's your vibe. Yes, it did. <laughs> it's less aggressive now. <laughs> Uh, next for lightning round, I just want to mention um, one really cool thing about the comic style that I really like is, and you notice it a lot in scenes where a group of friends is all talking. In the speech bubble, you'll get a little tiny illustration of their face 
in the speech bubble. Oh, yeah. So you can tell who's talking and who's saying what. I really loved that. I thought that was so cute. As like a shorthand. Yeah. And they're also like such cute little faces, too. (laughs) It's great. It is. It's such a great, it's a smart way to like have to reduce the number of panels you're actually illustrating, but then also like kind of cute, right? And to have a lot of speech bubbles and you kind of, it's a little hard to tell who's saying what, but then you can see their little icon and it's adorable. It's very smart. Uh, Imogen and Zahar, Adina. We made a joke about how even the straight characters are gay. Maybe gay. Maybe gay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, at the end of this season, well, earlier this season, we're introduced to a new uh, girl named Zahar, Mm -hmm. who kind of becomes friends with Darcy and Tara. And at one point, like, it seems like there's maybe some history or beef between her and Imogen. Right. Like yeah. during, during the spin the bottle thing, Zahar makes a comment about Imogen, like not talking to her or something that they used to be friends and that like Imogen maybe like ditched her when she got her first boyfriend or something. Yeah. Very like middle school drama of them. Right. Everyone knows this. Yeah. And then like some other comment or like Imogen says something like maybe mean to her. I don't know. I can't, I'm like trying to remember now, but it ends with Zahar playing in the band at prom And Imogen is like in the crowd watching her and there's like there's something there. The tell there's the illustrated um, like iconography around her. Like, I think it's musical notes. Yeah. But she like looks a little enamored. And I'm like, oh, "Oh my God. Is she gay? Is Imogen gay? Yes. (laughs) Everybody gay. Make everybody gay. TBD. But hopefully. Yeah. Right. Uh, Continuing on this theme of everybody being gay. Next for lightning (laughs) round. I just want to mention that. The rugby coach is revealed to be a lesbian. And she has this moment after she catches Nick and Charlie making out in like the locker room or closet or something. She talks to Nick and is kind of saying, like, I want to make you captain of the rugby team. And like, tell me if the other players are like either bullying you or Charlie, right? And she kind of says, like, things are better now than they were when I met my wife playing rugby but you never know right and there's this photo of her and her wife and it's so cute (laughs) it's really adorable but like once again everybody's gay everyone is gay and i love it (laughs) uh that's it for lightning round and that's it for this episode thank you so much for listening to it we love getting to talk about heartstopper it is wonderful and may the pride tide touch you all may the pride tide (laughs) rise and engulf the the continent (laughs) may no one be spared (laughs) Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast you can do so by joining our patreon you would get a monthly bonus episode which is super awesome we just did a special q a episode for our patrons where we took all their questions and answered them and talked about what's been going on with us. And then you also get access to monthly schedules. You get access to our private Discord. Lots of really cool stuff over there on Patreon. Yep. And if you can't join our Patreon, then leaving us a positive review and star rating on the podcast platform of your preference is hugely helpful for the algorithm gods. It just makes us more visible. Uh, And you can find us on all the social medias, Instagram, the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, <laughs> Facebook. Uh, those are all you can find all those links at coveredacredits.com. And thank you again for listening to this episode. We will see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.